The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, episode 45. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everybody, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. I also go by Father Fett, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including all the deeper themes and meanings. And so today we are discussing Star Wars Rebels by looking at Season 2, Episode 1 and 2, The Siege of Lothal. We're kind of following Ahsoka, Rex, um, and Maul as they appear in Star Wars Rebels. And joining me today on the panel are, first up, we have Thomas and Herho. Hey, Thomas. How's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, second <laughs> it's up been an interesting one to put together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so second up this evening, we have a special guest joining us this evening. Um, the rest of the podcast crew are unable to join us. And so we have Josh Bigley, who's joining us uh, this evening. He is a huge Star Wars fan from what I hear, but it's his first time on the show. So I will let him give a brief introduction to himself. So, Josh, welcome on to the show. Uh, hello, I'm Josh. I'm currently a senior in high school. I just graduated like a week ago, so that was fun online. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I kind of been enjoying Star Wars since kindergarten, really. And it sort of has grown as Disney Plus came out. I started watching a lot more of the Clone Wars and Rebels and things like that. It kind of just became something I've enjoyed a lot, especially during this quarantine time. Yeah. Something to keep occupied. So what is your favorite movie? I love Return of the Jedi. Nice. That, that's my favorite one. Okay, and then I, then I have to ask, favorite hero and favorite villain? Oh, boy. <laughs> Canon Man, or are you just universe? popping these on him? <laughs> I totally am. <laughs> no, I, I like Qui-Gon because he was the one main character who actually like saw everything. And if you look into things, other things like outside of the main universe, Mm-hmm. They also say how he was very powerful and was able to even had Palpatine being feared of him because of how he saw the future, his rebellious side. Oh, for for the villain, the villain I would have to say is Maul because the Clone Wars it gave him a great arc. It's just something you have to really enjoy. Awesome. Um, yeah, I was just going to mention. Um, uh, have you seen the 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 docu series um, Disney Gallery on the Mandalorian? I have, and I've been enjoying that, especially with the most recent one, mm-hmm. how they showed how they created it all. Yeah, yeah, the the most recent episode just dropped last week, and they talked about all the, the technology behind um, the, the sets, and which really, really cool. Uh, but Filoni also talks about Qui-Gon, so that was kind of uh, super, super cool that, that there's definitely connections there. Um, so... Once again, thanks for joining us on the show, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have an awesome discussion here about uh, Star Wars Rebels. But before we jump into that, there are just a number of kind of random tidbits and news things. Um, today we are recording on May twenty fifth, 
And so in particular, today is the 43rd anniversary of the theatrical releases of Star Wars A New Hope, the 37th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, and it's the second anniversary of Solo. And so I couldn't help but notice that the hashtag Make Solo 2 Happen is trending. So <laughs> um, would you guys be interested in a Solo sequel? Absolutely. Absolutely. No. That's probably one of the <laughs> extra canons that I like the best, honestly. There was one uh, uh, online commentator that was suggesting that maybe with Disney Plus, they wouldn't do a movie sequel, but they would maybe do a, a Disney Plus series sequel, which would be really cool. Um, one other super, super important anniversary is that today is the seventh anniversary of the podcast, Secrets of Star Wars. Ooh, so. Seven. Yeah, I was just I pulled up the feed even and, and uh, Father Roderick and, and Dom were talking about their excitement for where Disney would take Star Wars um, huh. seven years ago. So uh, lots of lots of good stuff are coming. Uh, the other couple random news uh, tidbits to throw your way is that in the past couple weeks, uh, the, the and these are rumors. I they're they're not official on Star Wars yet, but they're. Um, f- probably fairly credible, but uh, Katie Sackoff appears to have been cast as a live action Bo-Katan in the Mandalorian season two. So thoughts, that's excitement. Awesome. <laughs> and I'm yes. super excited about that. <laughs> all the new, all the characters that are bringing from the Clone Wars into the Mandalorian. It's just something to really be excited about. Yeah. And, and I think uh, Katie Sackoff is uh, she, she just, she has the, the, I mean, she's got the body type for it. I mean, she's she's super mm-hmm. athletic and she can pull off, you know, a live action, you know, Mandalorian, I think, very, very well. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, excited for that. The other news about uh, the Mandalorian is uh, Timothy Oliphant mm-hmm. uh, is joining the cast and supposedly he's going to be wearing Boba Fett's armor. But the 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 rumor is is that he's not going to be playing Boba Fett. He's going to be playing a character Cobb Vanth, and mm-hmm. uh, who is a self appointed sheriff uh, from Freetown settlement on Tatooine. And this is described in the the aftermath trilogy books by Chuck Wendig. Um, so I didn't quite get into those books as much, so I don't know a whole lot about him, but apparently he inherited this Mandalorian armor, um, that was salvaged by the Jawas on Tatooine. It's never explicitly linked to Boba Fett himself, but it could be iconic enough, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) I've been, I've been interested in Simon Pegg's take. I don't know if you guys have been reading in the news, like he's, he's trying to angle for coming in and playing um dengar the the, bounty hunter from the original <laughs> series and he's like you know i do have a history doing this because he voiced it in one of the uh and i think some of the clone wars episodes <laughs> so isn't he it would be in, interesting to see isn't he in the force awakens too he is yes he's uh he's the um, he's the the, the, the traitor guy yep. that, that is he gives ray with, the portions gives ray the, right yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so well lots of potential awesome things coming up in the Mandalorian uh debuting this fall. Um so but with that let's let's jump into to Rebels and uh so uh again we're we're talking about the Siege of Lothal which is the first two episodes of season 2 they were kind of linked together as one sort of movie experience. And so as I typically do I I throw uh the ball out to you guys first to get your kind of initial impressions, you know, what what was your first reaction to uh these episodes? 
I mean, whenever the very first time I saw it, I thought it was really interesting to see sort of like the mindset behind Darth Vader and how he was planning on bringing the Rebels out and just shows how intelligent he is and how he's able to think two or three steps ahead, which is mm-hmm. clearly shown with the whatever the Rebels try and save. The one, I forget her name, but yep. they, try to, uh, they try to save her. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it really shows his intelligence and how he can see what the Rebels want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I thought the I thought the um it was it was interesting to see the force use played out uh, because there's obviously such a disparity of power between him and Kanan and Ezra, but mm-hmm. uh, you see him toying with them. Yeah, and you you see the same thing with Luke in uh you know in Empire Strikes Back where mm-hmm. he's kind of toying with Luke to start off with, and then he realizes that he needs to actually like pick up the pace and starts getting a little harsher on him, and then by Return of the Jedi you see you know, he has to actually have a fight with Luke and he can't hold back quite as much as he was hoping to be able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you definitely see the the uh, cat toying with the mouse in this one, which was really nice kind of visual image of him. Yeah. Well, and I even, I even wrote it down that I, I, I thought, <laughs> Darth Vader, this is like in his prime. So this, mm-hmm. this is all taking mm-hmm. place before Rogue One, where he mm-hmm. is absolutely terrifying. And... He he's initially watching the episode. It's like, gosh, he could have just taken out Kanan and, and Ezra. No, you know, no sweat. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. Uh, but after kind of watching the whole thing, you realize he 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 wasn't actually intending to kill them. He wanted them to escape. And so he was just kind of toying with them. Um, So I also kind of put out there that uh, this. uh. Uh, these two episodes were actually released during um or sorry they were they were privately screened at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim back in 2015 um so I didn't actually get to watch it then but that was when all the hype for the Force Awakens was coming and then it was released uh over the summer and so this was kind of really the first introduction to Darth Vader to the Star Wars Rebels uh storyline um Really, the first time that Ahsoka was brought in, she was brought in in the the finale of season one. Um, and it was just it was a lot more heart wrenching for me to watch these episodes after just mm-hmm. completing the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, my first run through Rebels, I had very little Clone Wars experience. And so I knew who Ahsoka was, but I didn't have the emotional connection. And then this time when when her and Vader have that that force connection and she she uh, passes out it's just like oh yeah shot through the heart um and uh and and it's just yeah it's again interesting to see how they bring in darth vader and how intelligent he is uh but also how brutal he is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so we'll kind of get into that so oh and i also put in there i love the one-liners there are so many good <laughs> just one-liners in uh, these episodes. And I think just in general, this show uh, does a really good job with those. So the uh, brief summary of the entire uh, arc of these two episodes is that uh, the Inquisitor is dead, who uh, was the, the villain from season one. Uh, and the ghost crew has connected with the other rebel cells. And a new ally named Ahsoka Tano has emerged. Despite these successes and developments, the fight against the Empire takes a deadly turn as the evil Sith Lord Darth Vader comes to Lothal. So the whole episode opens with a space battle between uh, the the group of rebels that we know, the the Ghost Crew, but also Phoenix Squadron, um, fighting against this, this group of Imperials. And they are trying to 
uh, steal this cargo that that initially they they were they thought it was shield generators, and so they are fighting with them. And um, Kanan makes all sorts of random comments through these, how he wishes that they were they were on their own, and makes another comment there as well about it. And so they manage to knock the cargo off with the help of a Phoenix Squadron, and they are able to steal the the cargo and you know jump to jump to hyperspace and get away from all of these um the imperial reinforcements that that come into play I, this this scene is really interesting coming from clone wars so you know like back to back clone wars to this uh you you feel the big difference between the two uh series because clone wars was a lot more about ground battles and the you know watching the clones do what they were doing on planets against the droids Whereas here, you're back to that kind of Star Wars feel of the dogfights in space and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, quick runs to try and grab something from the Empire and then get out before uh, they notice you are able to do anything about it. And um, I, I like that. I like the, the fact that that feeling is so different between the two shows, mm-hmm. but it's still Star Wars. It feels very much closer to, uh, you know, the just, well, it's Star Wars Rebels in the Rebel Alliance, the hit and runs, the, mm-hmm. the, the guerrilla tactics. And it's less, everything's just less organized and less, you know, kind of militaristic. So uh, then we, we have the, the jump to the scene with uh, Agent Callus and uh, Minister Tua on Lethal. And uh, he, Callus is telling Tua, you know, basically that, that she's, She's failed in finding these rebels and uh, Callus wants or tells her that Governor Tarkin wants Lothal to be punished. And Tua is just kind of completely at a loss of, of what else to do. She's she's tried everything that she knows what to do. And we we see, um, I mean, a, a really interesting side of her that she, I think, is not she's not really a villain per se. I mean, she, she's, she kind of believes in the, the idealism that she thinks that the empire is all about in, in providing order and everything. She's, she doesn't want to, to do the brutal tactics that um, Darth Vader comes in and, and, you know, suggests that she lacks imagination and he wants to, to squeeze Lothal until someone reveals the, the rebels whereabouts, but she is caught in this place of she, she thought she knew what the empire was all about. And she agreed with what the empire was all about in her ideal ideological kind of view. And once Darth Vader comes in and, and suggests that, you know, uh, more brutal tactics are needed and that she needs to go to governor Tarkin to explain her failures. Uh, we can see that she, she is very much uh, torn with that. And uh, of course, succumbs to uh <laughs> trying to defect from the empire it's interesting because you, you always you, you always get this argument about about uh people in war that they were just doing their job yep and uh you know you you see that here you see someone who is in a position where they are where they are just doing their job but then they get pushed to that next level and they're not comfortable going there Mm-hmm. And and we forget that there are in, in any of these situations, like even even when you're talking about the worst of humanity, uh, there were people who were literally just doing their job and they didn't have a broader view of what was going on. And so they never really thought about, you know, oh, well, I mean, I guess we're rounding these people up and putting them on a train and they didn't think about where where that might have led. But at the same time, there were people that did take that next step and knew mm-hmm. what the end of that road was and and still were willing to to carry on with it. So it's nice to see one of those characters that 
gets caught in the crosshairs on that uh, moral conundrum and decides to take a different route. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, and it's definitely one thing to kind of uh, just ignore you know, the, the future consequences mm -hmm. of, of your actions, which, mm -hmm. you know, many people fall into that realm that I'm just going to do the job right in front of me and I'm not going to look at, at how it affects anything beyond my own little world. Um, and she at least has, has that kind of sense that there, there is something bigger here and this is, this isn't quite right. And yeah. And I, I put in my notes here that, um, we, we see sort of the two, two sorts of, of moralities at play here. Uh, Darth Vader is very much uh, embodying the, the ends justify the means. And so he is the one pulling the strings on everything. He knows that that Minister Tua is going to defect and he's counting on it. And he is using her to get to the rebels. And that, of course is immoral the ends can never justify the means if you were if you were doing something immoral to get to a good result it is wrong you can't do evil in order to to do good um and darth vader and again that kind of go, goes back to his own um intelligence but also just his his the fact that he's let that evil corrupt his heart mm -hmm. and he is willing to use her and kill her as we see in order to get to the rebels and she kind of is on the other end of that, where she finally recognizes that this isn't quite right. And she, she chooses to reach out to the rebels. Josh, what did you think of Minister Tua? I mean, at first, I thought that she seemed like trying to be reasonable with people, that she was at least trying to appeal to the humanity of them, that they are people and that they do deserve certain, like a better treatment of themselves. Mm -hmm. But then, obviously that didn't really work out for her. And then the, she's part of like a huge empire. And we know that Palpatine's a very good manipulator. Mm -hmm. He was able to manipulate them to execute Order 66 and kill everyone. Yeah. So, I mean, she was definitely manipulated. And I think that's something to really drive home is that not everybody knew the situation that was actually happening. Yeah. And it just makes you kind of feel even more for her. She she was just, again, just kind of a pawn in the whole situation, and then she's discarded. So we go back to uh, the Rebel fleet, and uh, the we, we see Commander Sato and the entire Ghost crew um, talking about their, their recent uh, skirmish, and they realize that the cargo that they stole wasn't, didn't actually have the shield gener generators. And as they're talking, Chopper... Whom I love. I think Chopper's a really fun <laughs> droid. I don't know if I would want to, to be his owner, but he's fun. Um, so he barges in and informs them that he's receiving this transmission. And they keep playing out the, the plot of Kanan just kind of being grumpy about the whole situation. And he he just tells Chopper to, to display the message. And Hera gives him, I put the look. Yeah, <laughs> and uh she kind of smooths it over and has chopper cloak it with a one-way transmission and that's when um old joe um appears and and commander Tua or commander minister Tua comes on and and tells the rebels that she wants help getting off lethal and she's willing to defect and she is willing to trade uh the names of rebel sympathizers uh to them in exchange for this and one of the things that she mentions did you did you notice that she mentions that she knows the true reason that the empire is on Lothal, ordered by the yeah. emperor himself, and that is never explained in the episode? 
No. But it's it's explained later in the yep. series though, isn't yep. it? Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. it's it's very much there. Uh he's after they're after the the Jedi Temple that's on the fall. Right. But I just right. thought that was interesting because I'm sure the first time that I saw it when it was released in 2015, I just completely glossed over that line. And then when they never addressed it, I just completely forgot about it. Just left it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. So I thought that that was a, a cool little um, foreshadowing piece there. Everybody agrees that they need to help minister to and except Kanan. <laughs> he just kind of wants what? to go off on his own. Well, not really, but yeah, but I thought the exchange there was really uh, interesting, too, because, um, you know, you have Ahsoka standing in the background mm-hmm. and kind of watching what was going on. And that's, you know, since we were tr- since we we're following her here, I thought I was really focusing on watching her throughout this whole series. Yep. And that's something you don't really do the first time through because you're like she you, you realize she's a background character. Like they keep putting her in the ba- literally in the background just yep. to keep her out of the way, which was smart for what they were doing at the time yep. to keep the main characters forward. But watching her watch the interaction between Kanan and Ezra, and then when Ezra steps forward and finally says, no, we need to do this, and she's got this like look of, of pride on her face, yeah. like, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you stood up and said that, because I didn't want to be the one to say that, but I'm glad you stood up and said that. And then she agrees with him, like she's the first one to agree with him, and then they, they all kind of follow suit from there. Uh, that was a really neat moment to like watch the 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 seat that she's taking after having been so involved in the clone wars that now mm-hmm. she's kind of like, okay, this is a new group and they're finding their legs. Let me let them find their legs. And I wonder if she sees herself in Ezra. Right. Because you, you, I mean, watching the clone wars, you know, she was impulsive and quick to, to jump to action. And here she is. Yeah. Taking that uh, somewhat of a parental sort of role. Mm-hmm. And letting Ezra come to that realization himself, but then supporting him. Um, one of the things that I just noticed about this whole thing, and and it's it's a theme throughout the entirety of of Star Wars Rebels, is that family is very key in all of this. Mm-hmm. And and we see that over and over again. Hera and Kanan are kind of the mom and dad of the group, you know, and and Ezra and Zeb are the bickering brothers, and Sabine's like the the cool older sister. <laughs> yep. Chopper's the dog, I guess. Um, well, Chopper you know, runs the family, <laughs> <laughs> which is true of a lot of dogs in their own respective families. Um, you know, but I but I love how they they kind of they pull everybody, and everybody gets a voice, and you know, and then ultimately, even if you know they all don't agree, um, they all support one another in, in whatever choice that they've done. So. They they do decide to to go um, and try to try to rescue Minister Tua, but then we have the 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 mom and dad talk in the hallway uh, when uh, Hera uh, confronts Kanan about his whole demeanor and uh, you know what's bothering him, and I and I really appreciated that because uh, I mean Kanan is bugged by the whole thing. He he doesn't want to join the larger rebellion. He wants to just kind of work you know just him and Hera and the ghost crew and be solo and they had a good thing going and he was fine with that um joining the larger uh rebel the rebel groups um is a reminder of of the clone wars when everything went completely haywire for him and he doesn't want to go back there but what i appreciated about this was that kanan had this issue and Hera just kind of stops him and just says all right talk to me and they talk it mm. out you know, it's it's not just kind of, well, you know, we're going to ignore your feelings, but, you know, just just kind of go on. And 
but she gets him to talk it out. Yeah, and she doesn't put her foot down. Like, that's the other thing that was really cool about it. Mm-hmm. There, there wasn't like, you need to stop this. It was, you, you know, we can't be doing that. Tell me what's wrong so that I can help work it out. Right. One thing with Kanan also, I think even throughout the whole season, is that he, he does have a lot of trust issues during this and putting mm-hmm. his faith into other people other than the group he's already got. Because, I mean, even whenever he was talking, he did sound, like, worried, and he, he was trying to appeal to the audience with some sympathy, which I thought was very important. Yep. And, and they're all kind of just learning how to, how to do this whole thing. And, and I kind of put um, in my notes, too, that, that he, they, they all want to do the right thing. They all want to help those in need. I mean, Ezra makes, makes the point that, um, you know, why are we, I think Zeb asks, you know, why should we help her? And Ezra says, well, because that's what we do. We help those who can't help themselves, you know, plus the list is going to help too, of course, but the whole idea of, of virtue and doing what's right and loving and, and helping those in need is never something that can be self-contained. Um, it, it like love by essence is a giving of itself and it can never be depleted and it constantly is giving and overflowing. And, and, you know, so even Canaan resisting joining the larger rebel groups is sort of, uh, it's not going to work. If he wants to continue to do good, the natural mm-hmm. progression is that it gets larger and larger and larger because that's the nature of love. And he would have to turn inward and selfish in order to, to stop that progression. So all of that is kind of at play here, which is, which is a really good thing to kind of portray. So the ghost crew takes a, a different shuttle back to Lothal because they're afraid that the Empire is going to recognize the ghost. When they get to Lothal, um, this was kind of the, one of the key things about Darth Vader is that Ezra feels cold. Mm-hmm. And that's constantly what they go back to whenever they encounter Darth Vader, which is unfortunately appropriate. It was cool to get that to get a word for that feeling because um, you you see Luke have that feeling in the uh, original series when they're flying by and he recognizes that Vader's there and he he just mentions that there's a feeling or when uh, and then it made me think well what is Vader feeling when he says to uh, his sub his subordinate in the first movie I feel a presence I haven't felt since and then mm-hmm. just like you know cuts off and we know it's Obi Wan that he's feeling but like. What was he feeling? Was he feeling then the opposite, which was be warm? And, and and so I like that that really opened up a lot of really interesting doors for me in how the force works and what force sense is like. Mm-hmm. It was good to get words for it, really. Right. But even just a description of like not quite pure evil is cold mm-hmm. just seems so appropriate. They they do land and uh <laughs> Kanan uh decides to to go make some friends as he calls it, to, to get the stormtrooper and steal, steal the armor. And mockingly calls her General Hera. And uh, I just, I love the, the animation because he, as Kanan is telling the group and Hera that he's going to go make some new friends, Hera gives him this look again that is just like, are you serious? And that is just, like, I could see my mom doing that at my dad. Like it was just <laughs> that kind of a look, and it was just so appropriate. Kanan goes off and uh, steals some some stormtrooper armor, and they get into position because they know that uh, Minister Tua is going to be coming to this particular docking bay to to leave, and they plan to to rescue her. What they don't uh, recognize, or what they don't realize initially, is that Agent Callus is with her, 
and the there's a fight that breaks out as they try to cause a diversion and rescue Minister Tua. And this is that the unfortunate point where um, <clears throat> Minister Tua is completely just discarded. They they managed to tell her to, to get to the shuttle and it's been rigged to explode and it explodes, killing her. And immediately uh, Agent Callus blames the rebels, which was all part of the plan. Um, it shows Darth Vader kind of watching from above. And uh, they... They have to kind of backpedal and, and escape. And and this was just one of the again, like the, the, the heart wrenching part of the of the whole of this whole episode is where you're you're rooting for Tua and you're rooting that mm-hmm. she escapes with the rebels. And we just we're we're just kind of we run into the brick wall with her and and then recognize that that was all part of the plan to begin with. And it really <laughs> turns even more against Darth Vader. Which is interesting because I've, I've, they've always been two characters for me. It's always been Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And until this last wrap up in the Clone Wars, I really, I really was, I, I was not, I knew that it was Anakin in the mask, but I was not seeing Anakin in the mask. And, and seeing this episode immediately after the Clone Wars, it's very much like, ah, oh, that's that guy we were cheering for just yeah. a little while ago, you know? Yeah, it is. It's. It's hard because even even Vader and Palpatine separate the two. Mm-hmm. At the end of, of the second episode, they, you know, Vader tells him the apprentice of Skywalker lives as mm-hmm. if Skywalker is, you know, some third party. Exactly. Um, and, and so, I mean, so, so Anakin is obviously doing that intentionally to separate. He, you know, d- forget his old life and, and embrace who he is now. And. Um. Yeah, it makes it makes the whole thing just a little bit more tragic. Darth Vader has Callus inform the public that the rebels are assassins and they're in hiding, and any ship trying to leave Lothal will be destroyed. And the crew of the Ghost goes to one of their safe houses and is able to see this. And um, that's where they have to make the hard decision that they need to leave Lothal for good. Otherwise, the the people are just going to continue to suffer. And Stormtroopers manage to find them, of course, and they escape and uh, they, they, well, they, they, they do leave, but they, they need, they realize they need a ship to escape and they need to go to the Imperial complex where there will be less, less patrols, which does make (laughs) sense. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's actually, it's actually makes perfect sense. really. (laughs) (laughs) But that was also one of the, one of the great one liners. Uh, because Hera asks Kanan, are you crazy? And she, and Kanan says, does anyone ever say yes to that question? <laughs> Everybody's just a little bit crazy on this team to begin with. But so Kanan and Ezra, uh, smuggle the, the crew of the ghost inside the Imperial complex, which was a awesome seat. This is, this is the point where, um, Kanan is dressed in his, in his stormtrooper armor and Ezra is dressed as the cadet. And they have the, the crew of the ghost in one of those uh, boxes and they're trying to, to get into the Imperial complex. And Ezra tries to use the Jedi mind trick on the stormtrooper and he fails. But I, I got this one. <laughs> it's just like, it's like, oh, neat. Okay. He's going to try it. Oh, no, no, nope, that did not no. work. <laughs> Are you trying to give me orders, cadet? <laughs> uh, it's a great moment. 
but then even the the the, the uh, dialogue between Kanan and, and Ezra afterwards, K- or Ezra's yeah. like, I wish that worked for me. And then Kanan is like, ah, I wish that worked on you. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, again, just just I love the, the family feel of it. Uh, there's that yeah. that fatherly feel that Kanan has for for Ezra. Yeah, like he cares for him, but he just also wants him to behave and yeah. be, not be a pain in his butt. <laughs> well, and Josh, I'm sure that you can recognize that with your own dad, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> times that I can be annoying. Right. Like it's it's there's always love, but it's like, yeah, you know, my dad would just like shake his head like, oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> So sometimes, sometimes love means I'm going to smack you upside the head because, you know, that was <laughs> yeah. not a good decision. Seriously. <laughs> right. What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah. But in this case, it was definitely a, a mutual plan and, and, and it works out and uh, they do get into the, to the Imperial complex and they, they find their way to a shuttle and find a bunch of military, military grade shield generators and try to take as many of them on board as they can. And again, Ezra and Kanan both feel the cold again at this point. And the episode ends with Darth Vader approaching, lightsaber lit, and stormtroopers following. And again, all I can think of is like at this point, like this is Rogue One Vader. This yes. this should be absolutely terrifying. That door opens and then psh, the lightsaber lights up and it's that same scene and you're like, yeah, oh boy, this is not going to end well. <laughs> But thankfully, it's uh, part one of part two part. It was the end of part one of a two parter. And there was no wait between the two of these when they when they were released. So episode two starts up right right there with uh, the the lightsaber battle between Ezra Kanan and Darth Vader. And we mentioned this earlier, but Vader just easily throws Kanan and Ezra around. He, you know, just toys with them. Ezra, Ezra and Kanan needed a little. In fact, I think Kanan's battle in the finale of season one, I had watched that before watching these with the Inquisitor. That he Kanan was more on his game for in that battle than he was with Vader. Mm-hmm. Well, you also get a sense you get a sense here that Kanan's uh Kanan's reacting a little bit emotionally to seeing Vader too. Uh because I with the Inquisitors you and and this is where you start to wonder like mm-hmm. what the levels of force power are. Uh, between all of these guys, because he 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 tends to rank Inquisitors not even as Jedi, which means maybe they're force sensitive, but not yeah, uh, not actually at that same level that he is. So he so he's worried about them because they're skilled, but not necessarily that they are competitive with him. Just that he's not on top of his game generally. Yeah. Uh, but then Vader is that totally different level of an actual Jedi and it's possible that he even recognizes something about him. Maybe he doesn't know exactly who he is, but he's, he feels that power and has felt that power before having been around Anakin at some point during the clone wars. But he also does recognize him as a Sith Lord. Right. So yeah, he, he very much could have been reacting out of that. uh, Fear, dread, caution. Yeah. So we get another awesome one liner this time from Zeb. When Sabine and him are talking and Sabine's like, you know what I do in hopeless situations? And Zeb is like, yeah, blow stuff up. Like, <laughs> that's what they do. Yes. <laughs> um, explosions are always a always a good thing in Star Wars. So 
Zeb and uh, Sabine do use some thermal detonators and they push over some nearby walkers onto Vader, which allows Kanan and Ezra to escape. But Vader just uses the force and lifts them off himself. So, you know, no, no, no harm done. But uh, Ezra and Kanan and the, the ghost crew do manage to then escape with that with that shuttle. And I love Sabine shoots him twice and he deflects both bolts right back into her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you realize how powerful Mandalorian battle armor is first off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then, you know, like how powerful the Sith Lord is where he's just like, yep, nope, flick them both back. <laughs> no yeah. problem. Bing, bing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's an enemy. We, we just kind of saw that, too. as uh, just reminded of Maul in the finale arc mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars. Like he just deflect or, you know, it's it, the. The ability of of them to deflect the the blaster bolts are just impressive. Um, on the the shuttle, they uh, do talk about that encounter with with Vader and and Kanan does recognize that that he is a a Sith um, and not just another Inquisitor. And uh, they realize that there's going to be a blockade around Lothal and that they need to smuggle themselves off of Lothal. And they know a guy. <laughs> Which was which was cool. I I think Lando was in season one, correct? Some somewhere along the way, I don't quite remember. Yeah. I, I at the very least he was mentioned, and yeah. but I think I think he was. It's been a while since I watched him, but I, yeah. I think he was. I think they already knew him, and I think they'd already been. They already had felt double crossed by him. That's why Kanan was <laughs> resistant at first, right? But you know, it's Lando's. Lando is not going to help you altruistically, so. All right, That's he he's something you can always keep in mind. He's he's <laughs> in it for what he can get out of it too. But it was great because uh it was Billy D Williams who did the voice for Lando. Mm-hmm. Um I think that that was that was a really cool thing to to bring into to Rebels. Uh we see Darth Vader commanding Callus to burn Tarkin Town, which was a refugee camp uh that the Rebels had provided aid to in the past. And and that was completely uncalled for there was no reason for it um he was planning to do it just to use the compassion of the rebels against them and again just another blatant well it it, in the in the episode it it served also as just a visual representation of the evil that darth vader was when ezra and kanan both encounter it and, and the smoke and the destruction but the 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 ghost crew is it does talk to lando and he's not on Lothal, but he has his droid on Lothal who will help them smuggle themselves off the planet. Did you recognize the voice of that droid when they encounter him? I didn't. I'm glad you looked it up because I, hadn't, oh, yeah. I didn't have time to look it up yet. But who it's, was it? It sounded familiar, but... It is Sam Witwer. Ah, so okay. voice of Maul for those of you who who yeah. aren't making that connection. Um, his the call number two is W one L E, so it's Willie. <laughs> I liked I liked the uh, I liked the character that he gave it. Mm-hmm. It was really like like this like a laid back droid, which is such a you know like, like almost a laid back po- protocol droid. Just seems like such a mm-hmm. weird thing, but it was really nice, like just chill, like hey, and it, and it, it fits with Lando's personality very well yep. too. Uh, the other fun thing about that droid is if you look at some of the original concept art for C-3PO, he that is the same. Yep. It, it's, it's very much based on that, on that design. So a, a really cool throwback there. Um, Sam Witwer, Witwer also does uh, the voice of Emperor Palpatine in this episode. 
Oh. So um, I think at some point I was reading online that, that Ian McDermott redid the lines. But as far as I could tell in the Disney Plus stream, it was still Sam Witwer because I had the, the Ian McDermott and Disney Plus kind of open right next to each other. And they're, they're different voices. So either way, Sam Witwer is an amazing voice actor. Just, just to yes. throw that out there. <laughs> Very much so. So, um, so this droid helps uh, the ghost crew kind of figure out what they're going to do. And that's when Ezra and Kanan see the, the destruction of Tarkin Town. And uh, they, they go off and kind of lament the loss that, that happened, but recognize that if they tried to go rescue um, any of the prisoners, that that, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't work and that they just they need to, to leave Lethal to um, avoid more evil happening to the people. And with that, I kind of drew the parallel to A New Hope whenever Luke ran back home after mm, meeting Kenobi. Yep. And seeing Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen all burnt up yep. realizing that they have nothing left there to really help with and that they have have to leave and continue the journey yeah well and both uh a new hope at that point luke recognizes yeah there's nothing that he can come mm-hmm. back to but that he has to go out into this larger world which he didn't want to do um but here too there's that same that same idea uh kanan is telling mm-hmm. ezra that you know every action that they have has a consequence um, and this is, this is what's happening. And they, um, this, this isn't, I think this is probably also where Kanan is recognizing that they can't just go back to being, I was going to say, he's, he's telling himself as much yeah. as he's telling Ezra at that point. No, yeah. we, yeah, we, we really have to do this. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he's sort of even lamenting that, that, uh, you know, things are getting worse, um, just like they were during the clone wars. But he mentions back then there were 10,000 Jedi Knights and now, you know, it's just them, uh, against the empire and, and they, they have to continue to, to, to do what they're doing and support the, the rebels. They go back to, uh, trying to escape and they, they use Lando's gear, um, with Sabine's plan, which was, which was a very crucial thing. It wasn't Lando's plan, which was another kind of comical interlude there. Um, everything about Lando is apparently suspicious. Can't really <laughs> so, blame so that. A little, little, little bit of fore, foreshadowing there, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 L- Lando ultimately, though, has, you know, comes through in the end, rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So at, at the heart, he's, 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 on, he's on the good side. But they they managed to get these uh, kind of buoys that that are going to use the same transponder codes as the shuttles, and they're going to u- use them as decoys as they try to uh, escape Lethal. And so the Star Destroyer picks up all these multiple transponders and are appropriately confused by them, and they split their fighters, and uh, the, the the shuttle is able to to enter into orbit and jump to jump to hyperspace before. The uh, the 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 star destroyer can can catch them again. All of this was as Darth Vader predicted. Like nothing in this was. As you watch the episode, you're like, yes, they got away. And then it's like, <laughs> just few, you know, thirty seconds later, it's like, uh, chopper comes out and and you know they're they were being tracked. Oh, but before that. Uh, this is where the entire ghost crew has kind of I, I called it their family meeting because they they they, they, <laughs> mm-hmm. kind of, they all kind of get together and talk about, you know, what they're going to do. And uh, because Kanan still isn't fully convinced that they're part of the, the larger rebellion yet. And Hera 
being the mom of the crew, gets everybody's input. Kanan, of course, doesn't or doesn't really want to join the larger rebellion. Sabine uh, wouldn't mind uh, going back to going solo with the the ghost crew. Zeb wants to join the fleet, and Hera too wants to join the fleet, and they let Ezra kind of be that deciding vote, which was which was really cool for him and and his character, and Ezra thinks that the rebels can can help them get stronger so they can go back to Lothal and change things. So he wants to join the rebel fleet. So that is kind of the moment where they decide as a group to to go go back to the rebels. Vader is informed that the rebels escape Lothal and uh but the admiral is informed that there's a tracking device um uh, admiral sato no there no the admiral in um who was informing Vader is informed that there was a tracking device on the shuttle mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting because earlier on when they board the shuttle Hera tells Zeb to go make sure they won't be tracked. And it must have been yeah. something quite sophisticated and, and hidden away because Zeb missed it. Yeah, whenever they said it, they said that there was one hidden on there. So mm-hmm. what I thought was that there was the main one that they would suspect uh, to be checked. And then yeah. another secret one, proving that Vader was also one step ahead as always. Yep, yep. Right. Yeah, that they would, that they would go disable the main transponder of the ship, but then they would, there's this, this other one that they had at, deliberately hidden. Mm-hmm. So the the shuttle does get back to the fleet and uh Chopper comes out and tells them that they're transmitting uh this this uh transponder code back to back to Lothal and um they know that they're being tracked. And so they they all start to scramble and Darth Vader comes and arrives solo in his TIE fighter. One lone TIE fighter. Yeah. Against a fleet. Like Yeah. <laughs> I know why they're all like, oh, what is this guy doing? This is ridiculous. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, we need to get rid of that TIE fighter. There was uh, an online commentator who was saying it played out like a, like a horror movie. Like the lone, yeah. the lone uh, villain shows up and you, you know, and like starts to methodically just take him out uh, because Phoenix squadron is sent to intercept and, and they are, they're quickly, uh, a lot of them are, are taken out. I like if you watch if you watch the mo- the maneuvers that uh, he takes here. They're very similar to the maneuvers that he makes in the Clone Wars, where he ducks and he he rolls a lot yeah. and weaves in and out of the things that are moving. And so you see a lot of the a lot of reflection of the style of fighting, which is very different than the way everybody else seems to be uh, flying their dogfighters. Uh, and it's obvious it's because it's Vader and he can you know yep. he, he can do that kind of thing, but. Uh, it's also it was nice to see that they really kept true to that that methodical maneuvering that he goes through to make sure that he's dodging all the blaster bolts, but then also gets himself into position to do something to fire back. Yeah, he's I mean, he's he's Anakin Skywalker through and through the, mm-hmm. the pilot and and everything. At this point, Hera decides that she's going to go get involved. And Kanan says, you know, not without me, you're not and runs after her, and Sabine heads out and. And and now we kind of get another shift to Ahsoka, who asks Ezra if she can tag along. Another awesome quote from Hera: Once they all get into position and everybody's in the gun turrets, she's she's like, "All right, kids, do mom and dad proud." <laughs> and they <Yep. laughs> they go out and and uh, start to start to dogfight with with Vader. Phoenix home, the command ship loses its its hyperdrive and and can't withstand another attack, and so they're scrambling on on what to do. 
And we have now the kind of the the clincher part of the entire episode where uh, Ahsoka recognizes uh, that the Force is strong with this pilot. And she and Kanan reach out with the Force to to feel his presence. Um, and Ezra feels the cold again. And, and they start to to say that they can feel the, the fear, the anger, the hate. They make contact with, with Vader. And Vader recognizes Ahsoka immediately, of course, and says, you know, the apprentice lives. And Ahsoka, after that encounter, loses consciousness. Do you, do you think that she knew who she knew that it was Anakin in that moment? I think so, yeah. If Vader was able to recognize her, I'm sure that she was able to recognize him. I yeah, I, I don't think that she would. I don't think there would be any confusion about who it was for her at that point. I think the the confusion for her is then understanding where she fits into everything, and how. And I think that's the reason. The reason that she, you know, has that that moment where she detaches and and faints isn't about like her having some kind of grand revelation about about who this is mm-hmm. but more about wondering wait a minute am i on the wrong side because as far as she's concerned at the end of clone wars she still has this and anakin is still a good guy and because the emperor and uh vader have done such a good job of distancing themselves from the connection between vader and and, and anakin it's likely that she wouldn't even know that that connection existed yet and so she's just starting to make that and now i can see her wondering okay wait he joined them maybe there's something to this whole thing maybe yeah you know and because there was that seed of doubt that was sown by uh maul at the end of the clone wars Mm -hmm. and you start to see all that come to roost right here in this moment it's like it it was not big when it happened in 2015 and it's so much bigger now (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is amazing she does she doesn't identify him to the to the ghost crew later though so right. you know that that's uh, you know you could you could sort of imply that that she is refusing to believe what she felt if, if she if she did didn't want to believe that Anakin has gone quite so far to become Darth Vader so she, that that's definitely something that that Ahsoka uh, continues to to wrestle with, and and we see that we see that play out in in Rebels, and we'll we'll definitely get to it after that connection. Uh, Commander Sato uh, recognizes that they they have to abandon Phoenix home um, because Imperial reinforcements have finally decided to show up, or Vader finally let them show up. He orders uh, them to to block the the escape of the rebels. Uh, he definitely wants them wants them alive, and this is where we see some very impressive Hera flying and outmaneuvering Vader, which which was which was really cool. Um, she expertly kind of uh, maneuvers herself between the two star destroyers as the other rebel ships jump to hyperspace and. It almost makes me wonder if she's force sensitive because she was able to hit the hyperspace button or the, the, the lever just just in the nick of time before they engage the tractor beams and, and uh, managed to catch uh, Darth Vader instead of instead of the ghost. Uh, see, now we get into the discussions about what exactly it means to be force sensitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because you because you have the, you know, the moments where Han is like doing stuff that should not be possible according to just like standard you know like he turns at there are a couple moments in force awakens where he like just shoots off to the side and hits somebody (laughs) and he's not even looking and then he turns around and looks and goes oh hey that was really nice (laughs) that was really that was really effective but it's it's almost like uh 
you know, these main characters, they, they can't avoid the force guiding them, mm-hmm. even if they want to call it luck, even yep. if they want to call it skill. There's something extra that's kind of sprinkled on them in these moments. Same, same would be very much true of Finn, yeah. who is right. sort of revealed outside of the movie that, that he is force sensitive. You know, and, and connecting that to the, to the Catholic view of things, I mean, that, that would be the same sort of thing to say that, that, you know, God is touching everybody's lives, whether or not someone is aware of it, whether someone is going to acknowledge it, or even if someone is refusing to believe it, um, God is very much active in everybody's life. And, you know, some people would call it the universe or, or, you know, or luck or karma or whatever you want to call it. But it's, God himself, who's always present uh, to each and every single one of us. Granted, it's not like the force. There's not levels of like God is more present to to some people (laughs) and not as present to others. Uh, He's present to all of us equally. So I don't know. I mean, you can can make an argument that that saints in their own way, it's not the Jedi are more powerful or more available to it, just that they're aware of it. Yeah. And that they are actively working with it. Or there, you know, with the force. Th- there's also the the analogy of, um, I guess you know, if if everyone, if you visualized every single person as an empty cup, and mm-hmm. God is God is like water being poured into the cup, like God, you know, everybody everybody's cup would be completely filled, but we all have different sized cups, so we all have a different capacity, but that doesn't mm-hmm. diminish the fullness that we've received. So right. Yeah, I think I think perhaps the saints have quite a bit deeper cups than than those of us who are still striving to be the saints that we're called to be. The the episode kind of then comes to a, a conclusion. We have the uh, Ahsoka um, informing Kanan and or Ezra and Kanan telling Ahsoka about their encounter with with Vader. Kanan um, does does have a, another good one liner here, but it's not so. F- much funny as it is just insightful uh he they they're talking about the fighting and and he says we must find the strength to fight but the greater courage is knowing when not to fight uh which is also super important the episode ends then with vader informing the emperor of ahsoka's survival and palpatine uh wants to use ahsoka to lead them to other lost jedi potentially such as kenobi who does show up in in rebels and uh, we end the episode with the Emperor ordering Vader to dispatch another Inquisitor to hunt them down, which will very much play into the how season two plays out. So that's it for the Siege of Lothal. What other random points or things that uh, that I missed that you guys uh, wanted to to bring up about about these episodes? I wanted to mention character development, especially between Kanan and Ezra, from even mm-hmm. season one to season two. You can see how Ezra's matured a lot more from season one, from being a naive kid to trying to take action, being more of a leader. Mm-hmm. And Kane is starting to like worry about where he's going and what he can do. But he's always sort of been like that as the father. You can definitely see it starting to reflect a little bit more. That's one of the really cool things about these these series um, is that you you get seasons to to see that progression and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, season one seemed to be about Ezra finding his place within this family. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, season two and going forward is, is then how that, that is affecting the, the larger, uh, the larger rebel cells and, 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 and Kanan's character growth 
you know, from, from mm-hmm. wanting to, to be, to be solo and just kind of do good, but, but not really get involved to, to where he ends up at the end of, of rebels is, is also a really, a really inspiring, uh, story arc to follow. Yeah. I think also I, I, you know, coming back to where we were, where we kind of started going down this path where we were searching for Mandalorians and, um, looking at Sabine's armor, yeah. uh, you know, it just reminds me. Uh, we we get we're, we're starting to get a lot of really thick lore about the Mandalorians where there was just sort of hints and, um, you know, you could piece things together before because uh, Boba Fett's armor was very different from the Mandalorian's armor the way we saw it uh, as it was presented. You know, Jango Fett's armor was very different. Uh, all of the Mandalorian armor throughout the Clone Wars was very different. And now you've got Sabine, who's got this completely unique, very <laughs> uh, personally stylized uh, set of armor. But it's interesting to see that tied into where the Mandalorian was, where you know they had to earn their uh, their totem, their animal spirit, or uh, from in the battles that they encountered, or they had to you know all of the weapons have names that that are bestowed to them with some kind of. Uh, religious component to it and placing these characters back into that framework where all of that stuff's happening off screen for them uh it's really interesting to kind of think of uh sabine as being a religious character amidst all of these other things that are happening uh and and that that mandalorian sort of uh ritualism uh is part of who she is and and we discover, you know, more as as we discover more about her character, that we we see that she is a Mandalorian, very fully a Mandalorian, and um, none of that is lost on her. I also love that of just how human she is, because mm-hmm. we have we have you know the the Mandalorian who he, he never takes off his helmet, and then we have Sabine who I mean obviously she's from a different sect of Mandalorians or, or different beliefs, but you know, she has her helmet off all the time, but even <laughs> just her, her hairstyle and her, her mm-hmm. art, um, is, is really, uh, just a, a way for her to, to, it humanizes her, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is also super cool. So I think, um, unless you guys, did you guys have anything else to add? The music, the music was one thing that I thought was really interesting because uh, coming from Clone Wars, where the music was its own thing, the music mm-hmm. was very unique to Clone Wars. And then we talked a lot about the music in the last few episodes of the Clone Wars because it was obviously very different stylistically. Uh, we're very clearly back into Star Wars music yeah. in, in Rebels. And that, that, was, uh, that was an interesting feeling when you were like, oh, wait, that's a Star Wars. <laughs> that's a Star Wars piece. That's actual Star Wars music right there. Always, always love, love the music. So, uh, listeners, that's it from us for these two episodes. And of course, uh, what did you guys think of the Siege of Lothal? Uh, definitely be sure to, to let us know. You can email us uh, or comment on our Facebook or Twitter page and let us know. And our email is starwars at sqpn.com. And you can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash starquestmedia and on Twitter at sqpn. And of course, we always need to take a moment and thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Wars, including this week, Scott S., Tom S., Miguel G., Donna P., and Alvin W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue creating the secrets of Star Wars and all the various shows that we do here at StarQuest. 
You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And be sure to subscribe to the show if you haven't already in your favorite podcast player, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Um, you can also listen on the uh, the Amazon Alexa, so that's also pretty cool. Uh, and also on the SQPN YouTube channel. Just be sure to click the bell to get notifications for our newest episodes. And you can also find any of our previous episodes at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And so we will be back in a couple weeks where we will continue to follow um, Ahsoka and Rex and Maul in Rebels. And we will be looking at Season 2, Episodes 3 and 4. This is when Rex uh, comes into the play. Um, So be sure to uh, catch up on Disney Plus and join us in a couple weeks. So until then, Thomas and Herhill, thanks for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Wars. It was nice to be able to make it happen. And Josh Bigley, thanks for being our special guest this evening and talking about Rebels with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You were a joy to have on the show. And once again, I'm Father Andrew Kinstetter. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Quest.